This is the Fox Sports South College Countdown. Intercepted. Wow, he got crushed. It's blocked and it's going to be a touchdown. Bottom to the end zone. 20, 10, touchdown. Here's Wes Durham and Corey McCartney. It's bowl season, and like every winning program across the country, we're getting some extra practice reps here on College Countdown, presented by North Myrtle Beach. Corey McCartney joined by Wes Durham. Wes, a happy bowl of Palooza to you. <laughs> yeah, this is this is always awesome when these bowls come out and people start looking at the matchups, isn't it? And then they figure out, oh, where's that game being played again? Okay, so, yeah. This is awesome. Well, there's plenty to get into, including the slate of bowl games. Florida State appears to be quickly filling the shoes vacated by Jimbo Fisher. Country singer Morgan Wallen's here to pick games, and I'll break down what to expect in the Heisman Trophy ceremony Saturday night. Wes, I mentioned those extra bowl practices, and I really thought College Countdown was in the running for a New Year's Six game, and I didn't even know they played a game in Gary, Indiana, and it smack dab amid the fire-breathing smokestacks of the steel plant, but it's a bowl's a bowl, right? Exactly right. I'm glad we qualify, as they say. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's what happens when you're a, when you're a mid-tier team. So let's start with the college football playoff pairings and defending national champion Clemson getting its third go-round with Alabama. This time it's for a spot in the title game, and the dust has settled on the controversy between uh, the Crimson Tide and Ohio State for that fourth spot. And This one, to me, takes on a very different vibe, and not just because of when it happens. It's about what it could mean. I mean, Alabama has been held as the standard, the dynasty of the late BCS era that carried into the playoff era. But should Clemson take them down twice, once for a title, and then keeping the tie from playing for another, are we to the point where Clemson could supplant Alabama in the dynasty talk? Well, you would think so. Um, but that adds, as you said a moment ago, just absolutely complete intrigue to the game. The other aspect about this is if they don't supplant Alabama, they would certainly be Alabama's equal if they win another national championship and beat the Tide all the way to doing it. I, I agree with you. I think these are the two teams that we now kind of hold to the standard a little bit. Uh, maybe a little higher than others, even though you know Alabama kind of wobbled at the end. Meanwhile, Clemson seemed to hit overdrive really in their last two regular season or the last two games, the game at South Carolina and certainly last Saturday night. But I think that is part of the lingering effect of this ball game. And um, in fact, you're you're the first person I've heard bring it up, but I think it's rightly so that that this one is uh, is really about the two teams that have been you know, arguably the dominant BCS-CFD team and the one that's emerging clearly in Clemson. Are you disappointed that it's not for a national championship this time around? I mean, because you could look at the pairings and say, okay, well, Georgia's the SEC champion, but Clemson's got probably the more difficult matchup here when you consider the fact that Alabama has a chance to be healthy on defense and get 37 of 40 lost starts back on that side of the ball. Um, I'm not disappointed it's not for the national championship. Um because I don't think Alabama played very well this year. I think Alabama's lucky to be in. I, you know, I, I heard what they said on Sunday about it being a close call. It wasn't that close or whatever the case may be. But the reality for me is is that I think you've got a scenario playing out where um, there's just so many good things about Clemson, and Alabama is a team that's kind of a landmark team. Um, but I, Alabama wobbled at the end, Corey. There's no two ways about it. I mean, they just – and they, they've been beat up all year. I mean, from game one on, they've been beat up. So let's see this play out. Is it? I think the month off really comes into play in this game. I'm not sure if it does in Oklahoma, Georgia, because they're excited to be there. 
But with Alabama and Clemson, boy, Clemson, would Clemson really want to stop playing as well as they're playing? And does Alabama need it to refuel, if you will? And will they have a chance to get some guys back? I think it's going to be very interesting, the dynamic of the 30 days in between the games. Well, we haven't had a back-to-back champion in the playoff era. That happens and includes a win over Alabama. It's, it's hard to argue with Clemson becoming the new standard. And it's coming amid a period in which the ACC has the products grown exponentially. Florida State got another mm-hmm. title and a Heisman. Louisville won its own trophy last year. Nine bowl wins in all a year ago. Ten teams in. Uh, this time around, which is the most of any Power 5 conference. But as we look towards a team that just got in uh, to the pl- to the postseason mix here, Florida State, uh, Willie Taggart from Oregon reportedly met with officials on Monday, could be named the coach at any time. So let's assume Florida State is bringing Willie Taggart back, uh, the former South Florida coach, after a year away in the Pacific Northwest. What is your take on Willie Taggart landing in Tallahassee? Well, I think it's a fit that Stan Wilcox wants. I think it's the guy that Stan Wilcox, their athletic director, wants. So I think that's one thing to consider. Number two is that Willie Taggart has all the all the roots planted in Florida to bring the Knolls back. And, and we're going to use a term with this that is if one rub in the in the career of Jimbo Fisher to six and six is the issue here. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna go this route. I think Jimbo Fisher. Uh, is at Texas A&M for several reasons. I'm not so sure that all of them have to do with Florida State as much as Jimbo Fisher just wanting a change of address. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm not sure there's a lot of rebuilding to go on here. We're going to hear that term used, Corey, but Willie Taggart is a good fit at, at Florida State. He's got the South Florida pedigree. I think his work at, uh, by the way, his work at Western Kentucky gets overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think that uh, what he did at South Florida was just maximize and validate what he'd done at Western. And so from this standpoint, I think he's a great fit for Stan Wilcox. He'll be a great fit for their recruiting. Here's the other part about it, too. He understands Florida State better than people think. Um, Odell Hagens, who was the interim coach in the Louisiana Monroe game the other day, Mm -hmm. he'll be a big part of what Willie Taggart wants to do. He is a Florida State fixture who has done a lot of tremendous things for that program and, and hadn't got a lot of recognition. And I was glad to see Stan Wilcox make him the interim coach the other day because I thought it was one of those things that, that kind of solidified those players. And it got, and I don't know if you've seen the video, it got pretty emotional after the game with Odell Higgins. And I think that's one of the things that will be very impactful for Willie Taggart's administration if and when he gets this job. I thought uh, I thought Jimbo just wanted a new Christmas tree. I didn't know he wanted a new address. You know, <laughs> how about that? The, yeah, just I mean, Christmas really? Tree this, uh, yeah, just uh, <laughs> letting them all in there. So, so how about I, the HOA? Didn't that make, break some kind of HOA rule or something? Taking pictures of people stuffing their yard. You would think I mean, so. Isn't there some kind of HOA on that? Yeah, I'm sure the the trash people were more than ha- more than happy to see a Christmas tree well in advance of uh, of Christmas before they're even. <laughs> Ready for it. So I, I, I like I like Taggart there. I just I've mentioned this before. It, let's say Kevin Sumlin does wind up at Central Florida. I just if you're stack if you're making Florida coach power rankings, I don't even know where you put Willie Taggart at on that list. When you think about well, all the names that are in that state now, and yeah. that that to me is the they needed to in my mind. I like Taggart, but in my mind they needed to make an absolute splash, and I don't know that they did. I, I don't know that Taggart is that splash. But but here's the, here's the question I was posed by a fellow colleague in the industry, the media industry, the other day. Is there a splash out there? Is there a game changer that Florida State could hire 
right now, a game-changing coach, just somebody who you would go, whoa, all right, that's the end of that. Is there? See, I don't think there is. Probably not. Yeah. See, and I think that's the – and that's why Stan Wilcox is looking for somebody who's got deep Florida roots, who understand who you don't necessarily have to have somebody with tremendous, you know, BCS, CFP experience, this long, you know, confirmed corporate approach to winning football. You just got to have somebody that, that can come in here and carry on. This, again, is not a rebuild. And you're going to hear it is, and it's not. It's, it's the last thing Florida State is, is a rebuild. You got players that are. Yeah, with well, the under rebuild yeah. Are, yeah, I mean, rebuilds are – you got Cam Akers. I mean, you got unbelievable players. Uh, you got defensive players. I mean, Brian Burns is there. You got you got players upon players. This is not a rebuild. This is somebody coming in to take a job where the other successful coach elected to move on. Now there are a lot of strings attached to the move, but the reality of it is, the last thing this is in Tallahassee is a rebuild. Bob Stoops is the only one that you could think, see is that's the that's the guy, but I don't think anybody thinks that he's he's coming. He's back. not coaching again. Yeah, he's not. I don't coaching think he's yet. coaching. I, yeah, he he doesn't want to be a part of this system anymore. He's he stepped away from coaching for a lot of reasons, and a lot of them. I mean, he could have stayed at Oklahoma and had Baker Mayfield and all those other things. Bob Stoops doesn't want to coach again. It's ridiculous that his name. It's kind of like John Gruden for a college job. It gets, it gets tiresome, if you will. Well, there's no 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 spot better to be in than a than somebody everyone wants to come back into the field. That's uh, mm-hmm. you know, don't be the guy that everyone wants out. Be the one that everyone wants to come back in. So, and, and by the way, DeAndre Francois's tweet I thought was really interesting. That he was upset. Jimbo didn't even call him. Didn't even text him. So. Um, it was uh, an unfortunate ending to things there. So, well, so was Nick. Uh, so was Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State when Dan Mullen went to Florida. Yeah, but guess what, boys? Hey, it's like Will Muschamp told me after he took the Florida job, change is inevitable and growth is optional. There you go. Well, we're going to grow a little bit here because we're going to do a quick run through on Word Association on the ACC bowl games. Now, I want to be—I want to preface that these are in the order I did a gallery of basing the games on watchability. So this is from ten to one. The ACC's games based on watchability. So don't blame West Durham for the order that we go in. This is completely my fault. If you want to see it, it's on FoxSportsSouth.com. You can check it out there. So we're going to start out with the Quick Lane Bowl at number ten, Duke and North Carolina and North, Northern Illinois. See, I'm even—I'm I'm stuck in ACC. Mode. Quick lane bowl, Duke in Northern Illinois. Dangerous ball game for Duke. You, they won't know a lot about Northern Illinois. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is one of those games where the ACC team's gone up there. Carolina went up there a couple of years ago and just laid down, didn't play very well against Rutgers. Remember that? Um, you know, now you get a uh, you get a Duke team that won two big ball games to get bowl eligible. Can they maintain that momentum? We heard all year long that it was important to go back to postseason. Uh, Northern Illinois, tough team out of the MAC. They'll play hard. It'll be a big game against the Power Five. They'll play with an edge. Duke will have to be ready. I would think momentum and momentum for Duke as a program is going to be critical in the game. I'm going with all about the D in Detroit. Joe Giles Harris, top 20 in the nation, 117 tackles. Ted Hendricks, award finalist. Sutton Smith for Northern Illinois leads the nation in sacks and tackles for loss. So tune in to see him. Nine, nice yeah, number nine on this list. Oh, by the way, yeah, uh, the number nine one. An interesting one from the end where this team's playing, but still military bowl, Virginia and Navy. Oh, I think this is – sometimes these bowl games are about the game. Sometimes they're about the season. In Virginia's case, I think it's about the season. In Navy's case, it's about the game. 
remember now, Bronco Mendenhall had the option whiz going on Georgia Tech in a game we had on our practice late in the year. Uh, not a lot of difference now, so we'll see how he handles it. Meanwhile, Ken Niamatololo will have to have you know some wrinkles, and it'll be interesting to see. This will be an intriguing game to watch just simply from the standpoint of Navy playing a bowl game at home, too. Yeah, I'm going, wait, don't we know you, because Bronco Mendenhall's crew, 220 yards, they allowed Georgia Tech, option-based attack. Now they get to see it all over again, the midshipmen second in FBS at hey. 347.5. And don't forget, Neil Montalola was supposed to be the guy that followed Bronco Mendenhall at BYU. There you go. There you go. The Independence Bowl, number eight on our list, Florida State and Southern Miss. Interest is the word. How much interest does Florida State have in being there? Because uh, really that determines the game, in, in, all, in all honesty. They're a much better football team. than Southern Miss will play hard because they want to play hard against Florida State, but the reality of it is the game will be incumbent upon how interested Florida State is. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going with now what because, I mean, all credit to Florida State for keeping its streak alive, but this is an absolute letdown for a team. You know, they not only opened the year with college football playoff aspirations, lost DeAndre Francois, struggled to even get to a bowl and ends up losing Jimbo Fisher. By the way, Derwin James not even committing at this point whether he's not he's going he's not going to play in this game, right? I mean, if you're Derwin. No. No. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. Number seven, the Pinstripe Bowl, Boston College and Iowa. This is 1960s football. <laughs> this is Bill Fleming and Aldi Regattas doing the broadcast, okay? This is this is like, you know, the ABC Yellow Blazer Game of the Week type deal. That's exactly what this is. 1967. How's that? There you go. I, I've got this one's going to leave a mark. I mean, this is going to be it's going to be cold. It's going to be you know Yankee Stadium. It's going to be AJ Dillon. It's going to be you know Iowa's uh, you know Akram Markham. What was that guy? Akram Akram Wadley. Akram Wadley. Akram Wadley. AJ Dillon. Just going to be ground pound. And this is going to get. It's going to be nasty. There's going to be some bruises left after this one. Number six, the Belk Bowl, Wake Forest and Texas A and M. Well, it'll be fast. Let's put it that way. This game will be played at a high level because A and M will want to play fast, and Wake Forest, you know, is going to play with tempo. But how interested will A and M be? I know how interested Wake will be. How interested will A and M be? That's again, it comes down to this sometimes in these games, Corey. And I'm afraid this is another one where Texas A and M will have to prove they want to be there, and I'm not sure they do. I'm going to do it for the Knowles because Wake Forest, they have a, you know, Jimbo, you want to go to Texas A&M? Let's get a little ACC flavor in here and see if uh, the Demon Deacons, John Wolford, his last game, he's been really good this year. No less than 390 yards of offense from October 28th to November 4th. Aggies, one of the nation's worst teams in pass efficiency defense. Wake Forest, do it for the Seminoles. Deliver a, a little bit of a message for the conference there. Number five, the Sun Bowl, Arizona State, and number 24, NC State. You play to win the game. <laughs> you know I was going to do that, I, right? I did. I mean, uh, can we just have Herm Edwards go to El Paso to do a presser just because, right? Oh, um, I, he's going to be in the booth on this one, right? There's no way that yeah, doesn't happen. Think, it's a CBS game, but I think Herm's got to get a chance to talk, right? He's yeah. got to get a chance to, yeah. Um, I think this is about 2018 for NC State. Yes. Remember Dave Dorn wooed to Tennessee, stayed with Raleigh. You know, signed a new deal last week. 
Uh, I think this is a 2018 NC State game. As much as a 17-game exists in the season, I think this is as much about next year for State as it is this year. Yep, I've got pack mentality. It's all about building momentum, as you said. Ryan Finley, uh, you know, Naheem Hines, Kelvin Harmon all could potentially be back for 2018. You guys had Dave Doran on during the, uh, the NC yeah. State-South Carolina State basketball game, and he said a lot of momentum right now. Uh, we'll see what he's able to do. By the way, nice little, uh, nice little play there with his players coming out and doing the Toys for Tots thing. Uh, on the tricycles, I thought that was uh, that was pretty great. Yeah, it was cool. That was very cool. Uh, by the way, we talked about this a year ago. Everyone gets that Helena Troy hair dryer, so they'll uh, they'll enjoy that when they're out there at the Sun Bowl. So, number four, Camping World Bowl. Number nineteen, Oklahoma State. Number twenty-two, Virginia Tech. Um, fascinating game with Justin Fuente's background, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I think this game will be uh, over under seventy-five. That's my word association. Over under 75. I think this will be incredibly high score. I don't I, think there'll be a lot of defense either way played. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I got points of plenty because the lunch pail D has been stout, but I mean, come on. It, this is Mason Rudolph in this, you know, ridiculous attack. I mean, the Cowboys, you know, 120th in FBS, uh, 268.5 uh, yards per game allowed. Only five, four power five teams are worse. They're big. They're bad by Big 12 standards. So I think this is going to get, uh, this has shootout written all over it. Number three, yep. the, the Tax Slayer Bowl, Louisville and number 23, Mississippi State. Lamar, farewell. I think he'll play. I think he'll play at a high level, and I think he will walk off with, you know, roses being thrown at him. Uh, I, I just think Jackson will eat Mississippi State alive, to be honest with you. Yeah, I got thank you, Lamar. I'm on the same wavelength as you here. I mean, we, we, we've, I don't know that because – Louisville's season went the way it did at the end of last year, and they were never really a contender this year. I ultimately think we're not going to truly appreciate Lamar Jackson until he's gone. Uh, but I hope he has a great farewell uh, against this Mississippi State team, which offensively, no Nick Fitzgerald. Th- this team is not going to be uh, able to go toe-to-toe with him. I think you're absolutely right. And plus, he's going to be back in Florida, so a uh, nice little send-off for the Sunshine State native. Number two, the Orange Bowl. Number six, Wisconsin. Number 10, Miami. Good ball game. It's uh, it'll be a challenge for Miami. Wisconsin's pretty good on defense. I think Miami's got to get some. You know, they've obviously lost Herndon. They've lost Armand Richards. Uh, it'll be a challenge for Miami's offense to uh, to build some stuff here. This is a defensive battle. I think this is rock and sock and football. I've got no place like it because obviously it's the Orange Bowl. It's Hard Rock Stadium where Miami is seven zero this season. Uh, racked up those impressive wins against Virginia Tech, Miami. Meanwhile, the Badgers no place like the road because they, and they're five and zero on the road on true road games. Won those by an average of twenty five point six points. So that, that's going to see what uh, what's uh, what's going to give in that one. Finally, of course, the Sugar Bowl number one for us. Number one. Clemson and number four Alabama. Tiger Rag, I think Clemson rolls. I, I'm not sure Alabama's healthy enough on defense to stay with Clemson. Uh, I think defensively Clemson has gone next level, uh, and I think you're talking about a team that wants to win another national championship and, and ought to be the favorite, to be honest. I think they played better and more consistent than anybody else this season. Good on Joe Testatone, by the way, for sticking it to Paul Feinbaum and talking about you know the Vegas lines on if Alabama's included and saying Vegas doesn't pick these games. And, and I think you're right. I think Clemson should be the favorite in this thing. They were there a year ago. That to me, I've got to define myself. And I talked about you know the the dynasty opportunity for him them to to put their foot down. But they found their footing offensively. Kelly Bryant, 230 plus yards the last three games, his first set streak of the season. That Wilkins Lawrence led defense, no fewer than 229 yards the last four games. Jalen Hurts may have taken strides. 
but he has not faced a defensive line to this caliber. So uh, I like Clemson. I think they're going to have an opportunity. And, and I, I'm telling you, I think Oklahoma is going to take down Georgia, but I really want Clemson and Georgia here in Atlanta. I just think that would be <laughs> so unbelievable, that, that atmosphere, to have those two programs. I mean, my God. How, how good would it be for the economy? Yes. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting because I think Clemson's just playing at a really high level. And defensively, I had a personnel guy in the NFL tell me, he basically confirmed what I thought. I said seven number ones, and he said, yeah, I think six or seven wow. on the defense. That's an unbelievable number yep. to show you just how strong they are right now. Who's your playoff pick? If, you, if you're taking Clemson, who's winning the other one? Well, I think Clemson on the one side. I think Oklahoma-Georgia would be a great game. I I worry about how the temperament of the game gets played with Oklahoma and Georgia. Because I think if it's in second or third gear, it favors the dogs. Oklahoma and Mayfield, and and I'm going to ask you, since you're our Heisman expert here, Mayfield's going to win Saturday night. I think it'll be a huge number he wins by. Um, But I, I think Mayfield is the kind of guy that the Heisman thing won't affect. And so, therefore, I think they'll gunsling in Pasadena. And a gunslinging game does not favor Georgia. Georgia wants to run the ball. I, I think that's the the dynamic of the game will be what speeds the game played. And if it's played fast, Oklahoma wins. If it's second or third, I don't think there's any chance uh, Oklahoma has a chance to win because Georgia will minimize possessions. And that's that's death for Oklahoma. Well, I'm not going to make you listen to a part of the show that you're not included in to get the, the Heisman vote breakdown. But I, I do think that Mayfield has an opportunity. Troy Smith and uh, Marcus Mariota have the highest percentage of first pl- of uh, po- 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 overall points. Uh, they have two of the, the biggest uh, wins in the, uh, the finalist era. I think Baker Mayfield is going to challenge both those. The only thing I wonder is how many people left him off their ballot because they got tired of seeing all the nonsense. The one thing, though, three finalists, yeah. and that to me you know, makes it just that much more cemented that he's going to win this thing in a landslide because both those guys uh, you know, won theirs uh, in f- uh, fields that were very similar. I will add this. As a voter, in 20 years as a voter, and I know you're a longtime voter as well, I'm glad to see Lamar Jackson go back because I think Lamar Jackson deserved to be back. I think he's that good a football player. Even though he won it last year convincingly, I still think Lamar Jackson had a dynamic impact on this college football season, so he deserves to be in the Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I, he was going to get in regardless. Like, they were going to make the, the cutoff on the finalist B, so he was included. But I'm glad this is not a Tim Tebow 09 situation where he was so right. far behind in Damakin Sue and they pushed him in regardless just because he was great television. But I'll get into all that stuff later in the show. Wes, as always, uh, you know, great stuff, man. Uh, you know, we're going to take a quick break here on College Countdown. When we return, I'll be joined by Morgan Wallen, who talks up, down, the pain of being a Tennessee fan and more when College Countdown continues. North Myrtle Beach, where a summer vacation is even better in the fall. Step off your back porch and onto the warm sands of a wide open beach. It's never too late for a sunny summer vacation. This fall, just coast. For travel deals, visit exploreNorthMyrtleBeach.com. You were listening to College Countdown presented by North Myrtle Beach. Corey McCartney with you as always. Now joined by an artist who is taking country music by storm, Morgan Wallen. Morgan, man, good to hear from you. Thanks for coming on. Of course, man. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. You can follow Morgan on Twitter at Morgan C. Wallen or go to MorganWallen.com for tour dates and more. Congrats on the latest single up down with Florida Georgia Line. Six and a half million listens right now on Spotify. That coming on the heels of the way I talk with over eight million streams on Spotify alone. 
I saw you open up for Florida Georgia Line in Atlanta and then come out later and perform up down with them during the set. What did you learn from hitting the road with them? Man, those guys have just been kind of taking me under their wing, you know, and uh, I started, I really learned a lot about the songwriting process with those guys and just to, just how much dedication that they put towards that and how much effort they put put towards it. And uh, obviously just the way that they interact with their fans and the energy that they bring every single night, no matter, you know, whether they feel like it or not, they're always on their A, on their a game. And, uh, man, just learned a whole lot from them and, and consider them great friends now. Their show is such a spectacle. What, what's it like being on stage when there's so much going on uh, on the set like that? Yeah, man. Well, I didn't. I didn't really grow up going to a ton of concerts or anything, man. I grew up playing baseball, and that kind of consumed all of my time. So, like, I had never been on stage with like pyro and all that kind of crazy stuff. So it was, it was hot and awesome. Man. <laughs> How did they wind up on on up down and maybe how was that uh, the response to that song uh, having been different with them and being involved? You know, I uh, I had already started recording the song. It was a song that I was gonna originally kind of just was gonna. I thought I was gonna put it out on my own, and I, I was really stoked about the song regardless. And and uh, I, we have some, a lot of the same connections actually, and, and one of our one of our main connections is uh, a mutual friend of ours. And also in the business, kind of showed them the song, and I talked to them. I called them up, and kind of we were just talking, and they said that they love the song, and you know, kind of just naturally. Oh, why don't, why don't we just do a verse? And uh, it just kind of happened like that. I mean, what when they when they have an interest in a song like that, and they want to be on it, do you have to to alter things to make it a little bit more towards their sound, or was it pretty much all natural? Well, man, I. Uh, I consider the song, it's like, I grew up listening to a lot of rock and roll music, especially like Southern Rock, like Bad Company and Led Zeppelin and ACDC and Leonard Skinner and, you know, Marshall Tucker Band, all that kind of stuff. So I uh, I, I wanted the song to kind of have a, almost like a cleaner Southern Rock feel. And I feel like that's, that's what we did with the song. And I, we didn't have to change anything, man. I, they, they loved the way it was, the direction it was headed and, that's just uh, the way it ended up. So you've had success with the way I talk, Up Down. Does it change the writing as you continue piecing together a, a full-length debut album, or does it make you maybe just want to show people the full scope of yourself as an artist? Yeah, you know, I, I, it doesn't... Obviously, you know, the more fans that you gain along the way and the more things change, the more you become conscious of that. You know, whether you want to or not, you just automatically... That gets in your mind, but... Man, I, I I feel like to this point I've been pretty honest and been pretty, you know, I've been the way I wanted to be and everybody seems to have, you know, taken a liking to that and, and I, I, I just want to keep being myself, man, keep being 100% transparent and I feel like that's very important in, in, in the music industry. All right, on the topic of transparency, you were a shortstop and a pitcher at Gibbs High School in Corrington, Tennessee. Can you give me a scouting report on Morgan Wall and the pitcher? Uh, man... I was uh, mostly mostly a fastball kind of guy. I had a I had a changeup that I was de- developing with my with my uh, one of my pitching coaches. Uh, I had a pretty good twelve to six curveball. Um, a little bit little bit of uh, I don't know the right word to say. I was a little bit hot headed, which did not work to my advantage all the time. But uh, 
I was pretty solid, man. I was I was pretty solid. <laughs> so you had thoughts of playing in college and, and an injury? I understand, kind of kept that from coming to, to be. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely going to play uh, somewhere, most likely in in Tennessee. And yeah, right before right right before my senior year started, I tore my UCL and had to have Tommy John. Kind of those offers that I had been getting were going away, and uh, that's kind of when music began for me. So you hit the road with Chris Lane recently. You are you aware that he was a college outfielder playing in Charlotte? I was, yeah, man. We uh, we talk about baseball every once in a while. We we always talk sports, no matter if it's baseball or football or whatever. We we play in the same fantasy football league and that kind of thing. So we uh, we uh, yeah, we I was definitely aware. So okay, so you play in the same fantasy. So who's all? How how many teams are in this league? Ten, I think, in this one. Ten, are you you headed to the playoffs? Oh yeah, I'm in the play. I don't know about him though. He's down there in the bottom. I don't know where he's at. Hey, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if he made it or not. <laughs> so, what is it? What is it about athletes becoming performers? Because Chase Rice played uh, fo- uh, football at North Carolina. Lee Bryce played at Clemson. Brandon Lay was a point guard in college. Dustin Lynch played golf. Chris Lane was a, an athlete. You were an athlete. What is it about that transition from from playing a sport to going on stage? Man, I really don't know. I've been asked this question before. Not, man, I, I, I haven't really figured it out yet. I don't know that there's a definite formula. I mean, I think there's a, a competitiveness that goes with the, you know, with the music industry. Obviously, there's a whole lot of people trying to get in. A whole lot of people that, that love it. I think that kind of, I think that probably fuels it a little bit. I also think that there's a team aspect that goes along, with what we do. You know, I mean, I, I, I get a lot of the credit, but man, I've got. So many people behind the scenes who, who fuel what I'm doing, who who take care of the things that I'm not able to, and all that kind of thing. So I don't know if it's that, if it's those kind of things that relate like that, or if it's just I don't know. <laughs> well, there's ultimately that 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 want need to to perform and to be able to to put on a show for people, and you're you're doing that now. And it, it, you dropped the uh, Tennessee reference. In the way I talk, saying your voice gets a little louder when you're cheering on the volunteers, and I'm interested. Obviously, a, a lot going on at Tennessee right now as it tries to find a coach. Philip Fulmer steps in. How tough has this been to watch when you're a Tennessee fan? Man, it has been tough because it kind of just it kind of makes you look silly, you know. Because you, I grew up my whole life watching Tennessee, and down here in Knoxville, Knoxville is actually where I'm at right now. And man, Knoxville is a it's like a it's almost like a religion here in Tennessee football. I'm sure you know, and obviously there's a lot of crazy fans, a lot of crazy people. But man, most of the people that I know here are really good people, and they really just they 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 love their their football, man. Because there's not there's not necessarily a whole lot else going on here. You know, there's no there's no pro teams or no pro basketball. That's just what they've always known. So it's a it's obvious it's something that I would I would like to see get taken care of. And, Hopefully, get on a upward trend soon. I don't know who they're who they're going to get. I I really like Mike Leach, and I thought that would have been a great hire. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, if I was pulling the trigger, I pretty probably would have went with Mike Leach too. So now that the bowl games are set, we're going to put you to the test here, and it was some picks for the biggest games. And we're going to start off with the Peach Bowl. Number 12, UCF against number 7, Auburn. Uh, UCF, the only remaining undefeated team in the country. Are they going to stay that way after taking on Auburn? No, sir. Not a chance. Auburn's winning that one, huh? Yeah. 
All right. When we look at the Fiesta Bowl, you got Penn State number nine against number eleven Washington. Saquon Barkley, one of the nation's top running backs. Washington number one in the nation against the rush. Who's taking that one? Oh, I didn't know Washington was number one against the rush. Well, I've seen I've seen Barkley struggle some at, at times against some good running defenses. So I'm I'm gonna go with Washington on that one. All right. Orange Bowl, Wisconsin, number six, number ten, Miami. You got blue collar Wisconsin, the turnover chain in Miami. It's at Hard Rock Stadium, the Hurricanes home. Both these teams sour taste after losing their conference title games. Who you got? That's a tough one. Um, both teams healthy or no? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Wisconsin's got some. Uh, Miami's got some issues on offense. They're 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 down their leading rusher, but he was out early in the season. Uh, they're, they're they lost their tight end, but they still got some big playmakers. Wisconsin's got Jonathan Taylor, big time running back. Man, I think I'm gonna go Wisconsin on this. Wisconsin, all right. The Cotton Bowl is Ohio State and USC. The Buckeyes, number eight in the country, five in the country now, squeeze out of the college football playoff. Old school Rose Bowl matchup, but it's in Dallas. Sam Darnold of the Trojans against Ohio State's defense. Who you got in this one? I'm going with the Trojans on this one. I, right. I, I, I really like I really like Darnold. Yeah, I do too. I think well, the NFL is going to love him. We'll see if he leaves after this year. The college football playoff games. We're start off with the Rose Bowl. Number two Oklahoma, number three Georgia. Baker Mayfield, one of the most explosive offenses of the country, going against a stingy Georgia defense. Who do you like there? Yeah, I've been watching Baker. He's one of my favorite players that I've seen in a while. Kind of reminds me of Manziel a little bit. Yep. I'll go with I'll go with Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All right. The Sugar Bowl is number one Clemson, number four Alabama. For the third time we're getting them, but it's not for a national title this time around. Clemson is deep on offense. The Crimson Tide going to be healthy on defense. Who you got there? I think Alabama's got a point to prove, man. So I'm, I'm going to go with him. All right, so if it's Oklahoma and it's Alabama and they're going to be playing in Atlanta on January 8th for the national championship, who's Morgan Wallen taking to win that one? I'm going to go with Alabama. Alabama. All right, Alabama going to bring back a national championship to the SEC. Once again, you can follow Morgan on Twitter, at Morgan C. Wallen, or go to MorganWallen.com for tour dates, more. And if you haven't already, dial up, up, down, and just let it ride. Morgan, Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Wishing you continued success. I appreciate y'all, brother. Y'all have fun, man. Absolutely appreciate it. We'll be back with more College Countdown right after this. North Myrtle Beach, where a summer vacation is even better in the fall. Unexpected adventures, warm, uncrowded beaches, special memories. It's never too late for a stunning summer vacation. This fall, just coast. For travel deals, visit ExploreNorthMyrtleBeach.com. In for your final quarter here on College Countdown, presented by North Myrtle Beach, Corey McCartney with you. And this is our final Heisman forecast of the season as we prepare for Saturday night's ceremony in New York. Have Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Bryce Love on hand as finalists. And the stage appears to be set for Baker Mayfield to claim the 83rd Heisman Trophy in a landslide. The Oklahoma quarterback, of course, of course the clear favorite, uh, this is the 11th time that three players are heading to the ceremony, and it's foreshadowing what can likely be expected uh, because two of the votes with three uh, player fields included two of the widest margins ever uh, in the era of finalists, which began in 1982. The expectation here is that Mayfield will be followed by Love, with Jackson coming in third. Of note for Lamar Jackson, that would be the best finish for a returner since Tim Tebow in 2008. But, of course, the bigger question here is just how big of a landslide win will this be for Mayfield, the Oklahoma quarterback. In 06, 
Ohio State's Troy Smith won by 1,662 points. 93 Florida State's Charlie Ward by 1,622. Those are the two biggest margins of victory in the uh, era of finalists. Only O.J. Simpson with 1,750-point margin of victory, and 68 is bigger. But back then, uh, there was 1,200 votes, and uh, well before things got willed down to where they are now, it's a little bit north of 900. Uh, also of note, Oregon's Marcus Mariota, he won in a three-player field in 20, in 2014. That was another landslide, 1,284 points. When we look, though, at the Smith and Mariota wins, Smith had 91.6 of all possible vote, uh, points that year, and 90.9 percent went to Mariota. Uh, given the way this race has played out, Mayfield pulled away weeks ago. Uh, despite him having red flags, it could have hurt his challenges. It uh, could have hurt him if he had a legit player behind him in this race. You really got to feel that Mayfield's in position to challenge Smith, challenge Mariota, and of course Charlie Ward for one of the biggest wins we've ever seen. Auburn's carry-on Johnson, Wisconsin Jonathan Taylor, they were mounting charges up until championship weekend. Uh, Penn State's Saquon Barkley was the threat for most of the season. Those guys all fell off, and this really became jockeying for position to just get a seat alongside Mayfield. Um, there was always going to have you know, the fact that Lamar Jackson was going to be there, but Bryce Love, the Power 5 leader with 1,973 yards. What's interesting here is that of course, this finalist field is set by the natural break in voting. And having Jackson, I, I ultimately felt he was going to be there no matter what. But his getting a, a spot in the ceremony, considering the few amount of finalists, I think it just really speaks to what we could see uh, out of this vote. You know, look to his credit, Jackson was spectacular. Led the nation in total offense, 411 yards per game. That was higher than a year ago. The first player in history with back-to-back seasons of 3,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. Only Jameis Winston in 2014 was a returning winner who did not get an invite uh, in a season in which he was healthy. Jackson's back. Uh, Of course, Love mentioned his numbers, the top power five uh, back in the entire country. And the belief here is that Jackson was going to be the tipping point. Uh, History has shown us that in 2009 with a returning winner, Tim Tebow, fifth in the voting, he returned to the ceremony. There was 425 points behind Tebow, who was fifth and fourth place in Dominican Sioux, Meanwhile, 167 between Tebow and 6th place C.J. Spiller, who did not make it. So there has been plays in the past by the Heisman Trophy Trust to get you know, a returning winner, get a guy who's, uh, who's good television at the ceremony. Jackson is still likely going to be that bridge, but in this small of a field, it means one of three things. There's a massive gap between Mayfield and everybody else, and they are, of course, always going to have three, at least three finalists. Number two, there's a large point differential between Love and Jackson, and the field was capped after the reigning winner, or the drop-off comes after the Louisville quarterback. Uh, The guess here is probably the latter, with this vote looking eerily similar to Mariota's win from three years ago. In that balloting, third place Amari Cooper, 805 points ahead of the next closest player. There's the potential, though, that voters soured on Mayfield after his crotch-grabbing, expletive-shouting incident at Kansas, and he could be left off ballots as a result. That's why there is the variable that things could be a little bit tighter uh, than maybe we're imagining, and maybe that's why we did have three finalists. But look, in 2010, 105 ballots were returned minus Cam Newton. In 2013, Jameis Winston was shunned by 13% of voters, regardless Obviously, they both had off-the-field issues uh, while Baker Mayfield had the arrest from a year ago in Arkansas. What we've primarily seen from him has been on the field. Despite what happened with Newton and Winston, 
Newton is fifth all time with 81% of the possible points. Winston seventh at 79.2. You know, Newton was in a four finalist field. Winston shared the stage with five others. So you've got another additional piece there why this thing with Mayfield could be such a big landslide. Giving his domination and throwing for over 4,300 yards, leading FBS with a 203.8 passer efficiency rating, helping Oklahoma reach the playoff, the lack of any viable challenger. Mayfield should be a lock. I'm saying it right now. Wins by 1,500-plus points, gets north of 80% of the potential points overall. The only intrigue heading to Saturday night has nothing to do with who's going to be holding the trophy. It's simply how historic a margin Baker Mayfield is going to win by. So that'll do it for this edition of College Countdown. As always, I'd like to thank Wes Durham. I'd like to thank Morgan Wallen for stopping by. And uh, you know we'll be back to break down some more bowl games as we get a little bit closer to the season. And As always, remember, if life gives you fourth and short, go for it.